Hi guys, Nick Zerman here from uh, the Nick Zerman podcast. And um, I'm gonna become a father in case you're new here to the channel. This is also kind of one of my um, newer videos, but I'm gonna try to keep these going on because I love YouTube. I think YouTube's a great platform and I feel like I have something to offer and I wanna share in that space. So what I'm gonna be doing today is reacting to this video that I, I already watched it once earlier this morning. And a lot of things I agreed with, but some things I disagreed with. And I'm just gonna do a little reaction of here of this. So um, let me share my screen. Here we go. So this video is YouTube on CNBC Make It. Oh, let's just click share. There we go, we got it. Okay, so this is the video. <laughs> Does having kids make you happier? I'm sharing my other screen over here, so I'm looking this way. And uh, let's just see here uh, what they say. And as you know, uh, my wife's in her third trimester when we're having our first kid, it's a girl. We're very excited. And of course, being new parents, we're, we're excited, you know? So we wanna hear more positive feedback stuff to make sure, you know, that we don't wanna hear negative stuff, right? We're about to embark on this new journey. So let, let's see. Oh, let's make sure I am sharing the sound. Share sound. Okay, so you guys should be able to hear that. Let's go. Ask a parent and they might say, my relationships with my children are absolutely the most important thing in my life, even more important than my relationship with my partner. The joy of being parents, I don't know anyone who says it's easy, but the reward is amazing. We have a lot of gratification from just sort of raising these like beautiful boys who are doing like amazing things every day. But not everyone wants to be a parent. And research suggests those without kids are actually happier. Parenthood is like Okay, I mean, I'm just gonna stop it there for a second. Like, it's fine. They're not explaining their metrics for, for happiness here. And obviously happiness is kind of like this elusive term. And obviously if we um, look up in the dictionary here uh, and let's just uh, see here. Happiness, the state of being happy. I don't like that. Uh, Merriam-Webster, let's see. Definition one, state of well-being and contentment, a pleasurable or satisfying experience. Um, yeah, I mean, a state of well-being, I can get on board with that, right? Because obviously there's like thrilling moments in life and then there's just like a general like well-being, content, happiness, like sim the simpler things, you know? And, um, yeah, so maybe... Maybe that's what they're hinting at from that study. Like a roller coaster ride of ups and downs, of highs and lows. And life without children is simply much more stable. It has much less variation. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the analogy, the roller coaster analogy. Again, I would maybe make an argument, like I wouldn't call it a happiness roller coaster, maybe a more an emotional roller coaster. Like a person doesn't have kids, their life is gonna be more predictable and they can control maybe the emotional swings in their life. So the bumps are a little less volatile. And obviously having kids, you're gonna have maybe these bigger emotional swings, uh, maybe like very high joy, or you could say high happiness. But again, I think it's just happiness is a state of well-being versus like you might have a really great high when your kid does something really great in school or, or uh, does well with the soccer team and wins that game and you're like yes you're so happy that your kids soccer team they won 
and excited and then maybe another day fast forward and they hate you and they just spit in your face and like that might be a down emotional day you know where someone without kids is not going to be experiencing that volatility you know uh tesla stock versus s p 500 index fund you know those of you investors out there know the the highs and lows are a little different in an index fund rather than uh tesla stock so let's resume here <laughs> Why you don't need kids to be happy. Okay. Happy medium. Let's see what they got to say. Amy Blackstone, author of Child Free by Choice. She herself has chosen to be child free. She's also been conducting research on the subject for the last 12 years. By my mid 30s, I had three friends share with me that they were pregnant themselves. I started to really worry that something was wrong with me. What I was relieved to discover is that there is no scientific evidence that there's a thing called a maternal instinct that drives women to become mothers. There are legitimate reasons why being a parent could make you less happy. I could agree with that. I mean, anecdotally, my wife, Anna, didn't necessarily have like a drive to want to be a mother. Meanwhile, I have a different friend who she definitely had a strong drive to be a mother. But I I don't think, I mean, necessarily that if you're a woman, you're going to have this like maternal instinct to want to become a mother. You know, like I think that's a, that's something that is not. I think once you become a mother, maybe maternal instincts definitely kick in from a genetic standpoint, but pre- uh, but what I found even talking with other people, oftentimes uh, nowadays, it's the guy, you know, we get married and it's the guy kind of like, come on, let's have a kid. Come on, let's have a kid. And the girl's like, you sure we're ready? You sure we're ready? Uh, that was definitely my case and a couple other coworkers I've talked to. So, um, yeah, I could agree with that. First, there's money. The average cost of raising a child from birth to 17 in the U.S. was estimated to be over $233,000 in 2015. That does yeah, I mean, honestly, I kind of expected a higher number, but I mean, that's not that's not nothing to scoff at. That's a lot of money. That's only to 17, by the way. I feel like kids, it's kind of a lifetime commitment. I mean, 18, 19, 20, 21, 20, even 25, 27, there, there might be, you know, shoot, I'm 29. It's kind of embarrassing to say, uh, and I'm still on the family cell phone plan. You know, I mean, I actually help contribute to the bill and I think I over contribute actually, but um but it's not, it's not in my name. It's like my mom's family cell phone plan and she pays the bill, but then I pay probably overpaying. I need to check into that. I think I'm paying like 120 a month contributing to that. I think I'm probably helping pay for grandma's cell phone too, but whatever, it's all right. Doesn't include things like a college education. Yeah, college. We have made parenthood so stressful here in the United States. Meet Jennifer Glass, a demographer and mother of two studying the relationship between parenthood and well-being around the world. Generally, having kids does not make you happier. There's a happiness bump right after a healthy baby is born, and that tends to... Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of serotonin that gets... Uh, when I just finished birthing classes, and they say, like, uh, the mother in particular uh, gets a surge, I believe it's serotonin... Um, not endorphins, the serotonin, right when the baby is born, like a the highest amount that you'll ever get in your life naturally. Um, maybe I was saying to Anna, like, it's going to be like a heroic dose of heroin. You know, like, we don't do heroin, but <laughs> and I think it makes sense biologically why that would happen. You know, it's like, you know, you need to care for this thing and love it a lot back in the Stone Age. Don't take care of it. Don't let it die. Like this was keeps the species going forward, you know, crank it with serotonin, <laughs> build a bond. Yeah. 
Uh, and I'm sure the same thing's gonna happen with me at the guy. Of course, it's not um, it's not like I'm doing the birth, but I think there's probably a similar effect that happens when the baby's born. To dissipate over the course of a year. Yeah. And after that time point, what we see is gradually diverging happiness between parents and non-parents in the United States. In general, fewer people are choosing to have children. In what, what I do disagree with that is like, yeah, maybe in the first couple of years, because raising a baby is hard, like they are so helpless. And it's like, I mean, shoot, I remember just the first three months of when we got our puppy, like the, the, and I'm not saying it's the same at all, but like the first three months, like teaching him how to potty train, waking up in the night, like, um, it was hard and it was not, that wasn't fun, you know? Uh, but then I, I wonder if what she's referring to, yeah, we see a divergence in those first couple of years, but then do we see it equalize after the kid is maybe a little bit more self-sufficient, you know, a five, six-year-old, you know, you can teach, they can learn how to like make themselves breakfast and they learn how to wipe their own butt, you know, and like once they become a bit more self-sufficient, I would imagine that divergence stabilizes, you know, I just could see, you know, anyways, they, they kind of neglect to mention that. 19, the American birth rate hit a record low. <clears throat> Today, about 15% of women reach their 40s without ever having had a kid. For some, the logistical hurdles to becoming parents can be even greater. Johnny and Seb have been married since 2011 and have two sons by surrogacy. They faced many challenges so cool. bringing their eldest, Vaughn, into the world. It took us um, a little over three years actually get to um, successfully get pregnant and have our first son. First time around, it was estimated that that it would cost roughly around like ninety thousand. The final number was yeah. probably close to like hundred and eighty k. I'm not surprised. I mean, like that's a huge um, that's a huge ask, you know, to like ask someone to go a woman to go through the whole pregnancy process and birth this baby, and 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 even like get that surge of serotonin, and then it's not theirs. They have to give it to someone else, and. Um, yeah, you're gonna have to pay for that, you know? Honestly, I'm surprised it's not more, but I'm sure it depends, you know? That was just the cost of surrogacy. After two surrogates, three egg donors, and four attempts, they successfully brought Vaughn into the world. They welcomed Aston in December, 2019. In the end, it was of course not the easiest to kind of handle all of the emotional issues and the financial issues that cropped up because of it. By now, we are fairly relaxed because I think uh, we are fortunate enough to have jobs that allow us to put enough money to the side to allow for exactly those expenses, including a good education. Raising children, as we have by now experienced, is connected to a lot of extra burden and you cannot live your own life anymore. It's, it's thankless, it's really, all right? About, <laughs> it's all about the children and you want to give them the best set of opportunities, you want to see them happy all the time and it's at the cost of your own individual life. I am personally very excited by the notion of raising kids who, whether they be gay, straight, or, or anything else, I am just so ready to support that and, and help them along and, and not give them kind of the struggles and challenges that I had with my parents. I know this is very cliche, but you look into their faces and they look at you and smile back at you. That uh, offsets so much of the maybe personal level of happiness reduction that it's kind of look okay. Donnie and Tom got married in college and very shortly after graduation, 
unexpectedly got pregnant. It's like I have this body, but it's, it's no longer mine. It's like I'm pumping and I'm breastfeeding and I have cramps. It's just the whole ordeal. And so it was really hard to feel that sense of happiness. So that's where I had to shift and find out my hobbies, what I like to do, and getting in on self-care and just pursuing different dreams that I had. It was during this period of self-reflection that Danya realized her passion for entrepreneurship and started her own business. That's when I started to become like happy and say fulfilled. That's that's beautiful. I mean, uh, I get the previous couple like him saying, you know, yeah, you sacrifice some individual freedom, you do, but then you get rewarded and it's offset by like seeing that kid smile, you know, and yeah, duh, you're gonna lose some free time, but it's going to pay huge dividends, you know, <laughs> and then in the case of Danya here and Tam, you know, I think it's beautiful because sure, she maybe had to like shift gears and adapt, but that's what we humans are good at. We're good at adapting. And here she's got these kids and these financial responsibilities. And it really drives her to like, really think about how she probably was thinking about, I need to shift gears to be able to do something, you know, maybe from home like an online retail kind of thing, but also I want to help provide and boom, she creates this business and she wouldn't have done that if she hadn't had kids. So the kids were like the catalysts. I mean, maybe she would have later on, but sometimes I think the, the, the increased responsibility of having to care for children kind of kicks you into adult mode overdrive. You know, it's like, oh shoot, I didn't get my stuff together. I need to help support these kids. And you want to help support them because you're going to see that they're happiness. And really, it all it, it does boil down to money, right? If you have more money, that facil facilitates a better life, quality life for you, better quality life for them, better opportunity for the kids. Um, also, it can money can buy you some free time, like if you get daycare or a babysitter, so that you can still be free to go do what you need to do. So, I mean, obviously, money is a huge component to it, the cost and probably the quality of your happiness. Cause like, frankly, if you have kids and you don't have money and you're really struggling financially, I mean, anyone struggling financially with or without kids is having a hard time. And you add kids to the equation when you're having a hard time handling just yourself, uh, it's going to be a really hard time and it's going to be deeply, uh, deeply stressful, you know? So I think it does a huge part of the money component, you know, and whether or not um, you can be prepared for something like this, you know, or, and then if it kicks you in the butt and then you start making money, great, you know, because maybe that's what you needed. You needed that kid to be that catalyst for you. <laughs> Having a family has been always my goal since I was a small kid. So same here, then, you know, same here. Kids, having a wife, that's like fulfillment and having that fulfillment, yeah. you know, that's, that's me. Gives me happiness. It does get a lot when it comes up to um, pay for all these things, especially diapers and wipes and clothes. Sure. Our kids are giants, they grow out of everything. And so yeah. it's just this constant spending. Being a parent, it's wonderful. And I've grown a lot. Like, you know, small things like you learn about, you know, being patient, uh, being loving, being yep. caring. It's unmatched, like having a child. Of course, there are those days where things get rough, but I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. We love our children. I would never in a million years say that parents don't adore their children, they don't want the best for their children, and they don't feel that their children are incredibly important sources of life satisfaction for them. But that's not the same thing as happiness. It's not the same thing as financial well-being or physical, good physical health sure. or good emotional health. 
Jennifer attributes the financial difficulty of raising children in the U.S. to modern social structures. People generally live in cities. They have to work away from home for long hours. They have to find substitute care for their children. Partnerships are less stable. And wages for many, many people have been stagnant or falling. While the costs of preparing children for the future labor market have escalated dramatically. Yeah. Jennifer says it's Americans frequently mention this notion that, quote, if you can't afford kids, you shouldn't have them. It ignores the fact that our labor force does not provide jobs that pay enough for people between. Yeah, I mean, it's really harsh. That's a harsh phrase. I mean, there's a little bit of truth in it. And of course, uh, but at the same time, you don't want to like, you can't tell people, oh, you can't have kids because you're not ready. Because again, there might be a scenario where having the kids does prompt you to like take it to that next level and become more financially stable and secure right by creating your own business or something like that but you know uh i think we're having a reckoning here because our 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 socioeconomic system and government system is really and the whole trickle you know i don't want to get too political but like the whole trickle down economics thing it's just it's just not working Right. We need some trickle up economics. Right. And we need it's not a zero sum game here. Right. If wages can go up, that's still that means more people have more money to spend to feed back into corporate profits. So it, it, if wages can go up, that actually helps the system and the corporations grow more. But if if you have no robust middle class and everyone's just kind of slowly wages are getting more and more stagnant and people are having to be more and more frugal and only spend on the things they need and they can't do any frivolous spending, then, you know, beanie babies can't make sales because, oh, well, that's frivolous spending. We're not going to get that, you know? So, <laughs> I remember, man, when I was a kid, beanie babies were the thing. I even collected some, but, um, yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, we, we, our country really needs to fix the weight, the issue of stagnant wages and we need to fix the issue of it being so prohibitively expensive now today to be raising children than it used to be. And that has to do with uh, the cost of education, um, the cost, and, and just, um, there, there are ways to do it where we don't have to spend lots of money. You can do lots of like credits, and uh, I really think school vouchers would really help. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a whole slew of things that could help, but um, let's see what they got to say Between the ages of 18 to 40 to have kids. On top of that, yeah. there's the- And there's the biological constraint, right? You can, it's really tough because right when you're starting out in your younger years of trying to become successful, yeah, you could say having kids becomes this damper that slows you down from being able to, to continue grow. Uh, right it's like it's really bad timing where ideally you like grow your career success and then you can have kids but there's a biological constraint right or, or more specifically for women but even from i mean for men a little bit but definitely for women um and it's like if you want to have kids you got to do it in that kind of like late 20s early 30s you can push it a little bit to the later 30s but of course it gets more higher risk and it's more challenging you know um, biologically but uh, you can still try to do it, of course, but um, uh, it's it's unfortunate that's like you kind of pile on all the challenges early on. <laughs> but it's fine, you know, if you can deal with that and overcome those challenges, then obviously you can come out the other side, and it's like it's kind of downhill from there, you know. So there is that to look forward to that it's, it will get easier over time. Gender wage gap. 
women may lose over $400,000 over a 40-year career compared to their male counterparts. Sure. And minority women stand to lose more than double that. Parents in the U.S. are far less happy than parents in European nations that have all kinds of supports for parents. It Definitely, guys. I mean, come on. It's like we got to get on, get our stuff together here and kind of pass some good legislation here to support support families more. You know, I don't want I really think if Americans like traveled to Europe more and saw the quality of life there, they would realize that we can, you know, we can still have capitalism. They're going to say the word socialism here in a second. And look, those countries aren't socialist countries. They are still capitalist countries with just better social services, okay, for, for families. It's not, anyways. It really does take a village to raise a child. And if we care about children and their future and their role in our society, I think we have to think of the rearing and the caring for children as a collective activity. And that's what many, frankly, socialist countries do that They're we not fall socialist. down on. We think of parenthood as this very individual thing that parents themselves are entirely responsible for. And the research shows that that contributes to a lack of happiness for them. With the financial and emotional challenges American parents face, it's under Yeah, and honestly, I think what happened with Europe was they had declining birthing, birth rates very extremely that they're like, oh, wow, we have no young people for the workforce. We need to make it have a better support system because the, the children become your future workforce. And so they've, they've, you've kind of seen Europe decline uh, because they just don't have enough young, innovative thinkers. I think now they've kind of fixed it because they, they've implemented these policies, I think maybe about 20 years ago or so. And now you're starting to see the benefits of that where you are starting to see more entrepreneurship and stuff because they invested in having a, a healthier, better, young, you know, you, you invest in people having families and now you actually start, people start having kids because they feel like they, they can do it and then they have good education and then you get some good entrepreneurship, right? In the US, we're at a different curve where we're having the declining birth rates. So we're gonna see if we don't fix it now, then we're gonna hit the problem 10, 20 years from now where we have no young workforce really. Uh, and then we'll be like, oh shoot. <laughs> and, but we can avoid that if we preemptively fix it now and give more support for people to have children, you know, raise families understandable why some folks are child-free by choice. Do I ever feel like I'm missing out by not having kids? The short answer to that question is no, but I do recognize that there are some things that I am missing out on. Uh, yeah. And the same is true. Um, yeah, I mean, she can't regret like not having kids because like you made a decision. You can't sit around wallowing and like, no, live your life and be happy and live a good life. You know, and I honestly think most people that decide not to have kids, they're, they're happy with their decision. And the short answer, yeah, no, they don't feel like they're missing out because they're enjoying their life. But obviously they are going to be missing out on certain experiences, but they can go have other experiences and that's okay. You know, I'm not, I'm not here saying that everyone should have kids, right? It's just, I mean, I don't know exactly what the point of this video is, but if it's to, either way, they're trying to make you feel good about your decision, whether or not it's your decision is to have kids, which if it is, be ready, be ready for it, be financially prepared for it, right? And if you're not, 
then good on you because you're going to have a little less financial stress and try to find happiness in other things, right? In your individual identity. Um, cool. Let's, let's wrap this up. Uh, in that I didn't choose a career as an astronaut. Right. Yeah. Parenthood is like a roller coaster ride of ups and downs, of highs and lows. And life without children is simply much more stable. It has much less variation. You know, I got to get up late because that's, I don't have anyone I have to take care of. Honestly, I love stability and security, but I am kind of a roller coaster guy. That's my personality. I love, I do like a little bit of chaos. You know, I like a little bit of like a last minute, like, oh, your friend calls you up. Hey, you want to go to this rock concert? You know, like, yeah, let's do it. Like, uh, I'm not saying it's the same, but it kind of is the same. It's like a little bit of that, like the thrill of life and chaos. The kids just add that chaos. It's like, boom, they're having a bad day or they got a fight in at school. And it's like, oh, craziness. But it's like, I kind of like enjoy that, you know, the thrill of that. Some people don't, you know, if you don't like that kind of chaotic environment and you like everything to be predictable and structured, you know, kid, I mean, you can impose that on your kids, but it, uh, you're going to have some challenges. Care of in the morning and I'm going to eat when I'm hungry as opposed to eating on a schedule with someone else in my house. There are all those little small things that I think contribute to our daily sense of satisfaction and happiness that make a difference. Since child rearing is so pricey in the US, you might think that a child-free couple has heaps of savings. If you look at how we spend our money, we donate more money to causes that matter to us than parents do. That's so cool. it's not that we're only spending our money on ourselves. And because we're not spending our money rearing kids, many of us are able to sock away money for retirement in a way that parents may not be able to do. I know that's definitely true for me and my husband. That's a huge priority for us. My financial well-being would be better off if I had not had children. And that's true of all child-free people in the United States. They are financially better off. The, the question of happiness and parenthood really comes down to a question of autonomy and choice. When people are given the autonomy and the choice to make the choice that's right for them, um, and when they're supported in that choice, that they are fulfilled and happy. Right. Yeah. Okay. So stop share. Yeah. I mean, okay. The, the big thing there is like, you know, you need to feel if you're going to do it, it's important to have a good support network, important to be financially doing well. You know, I disagree with, I mean, sure, maybe statistically people that don't have kids, they're better off financially for retirement than people that do have kids. Because obviously you got an immediate expense now with this kid now, well, you're going to need to spend that money versus if they're not having those expenses, they can take that money and save for retirement. But I also feel like, I mean, it's such an individual thing. You know, I, I, for some people, having the kid kicks them into that more next level of becoming an adult and thinking more smarter financially and start making those long-term decisions of thinking like, oh, my kid is going to want to go to college. I'm going to need to save, start saving up for that and investing for that with a 529. And then they think about that and they're like, oh, I need to start. And if they haven't already started thinking about their own retirement, they're going to start thinking about, oh, I need to start thinking about my retirement. And maybe someone who's doesn't have kids yet. They're still loving their life, whether they're single or they're dating. They're still spend, 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 spend. At some point, they might make that switch and be like, okay, I want to start thinking long-term future. But that switch is not going to be triggered by the kid. 
right? That switch is going to be triggered by something else. Um, maybe a coworker they're talking to, a mentor. Maybe a lot for a lot of people, it's buying a house. That first big financial transaction, and like, and it's kind of a forced savings you're putting away to this mortgage every month, and then you realize the power of that because uh, the real estate appreciates in value, and you get equity, and then you're like, oh wait, oh it's kind of compounding. You're like, I can I can do that elsewhere and start this, and, and you start to figure that out. Um, and then for some, especially I think the millennial generation, being priced out of real estate for so long, we realized we needed to start leveraging leveraging ourselves uh, and compounding before getting the house. So that's why you're seeing so many of these retail investors and the whole GameStop fiasco and, you know, people just realizing they need to, if we can't get a house, fine, we're going to start investing in the stock market because clearly that's what, how our system works, you know, anyways, got a little bit financial there, but I think the point of the video is like, uh, does having kids make you happier? not necessarily it's just a different experience and it can be very fulfilling and really cool and a great bond that you have but it also can be a big stress and then for those that are having kids or not having kids you know they can have happy lives too so i think it's generally a feel-good video like this is the realities you know if you're like maybe what i would say is if you're currently unhappy don't don't think like don't seek to like having a kid is going to fix that for you. It might, it could help, but you really should maybe figure out first your own happiness. Once you find that, then kids could add to that. But if I was like deeply unhappy, I don't know if I would like decide, oh, I should have a kid so that I can get happy now. Like that's not necessarily a, a good fix either. But what I'll leave this with, I'm excited to have a kid. I feel financially ready for it. I'm trying to do all the right things to be prepared for it. And um, um, I'm excited. Anna and I are really excited. And yeah, it wasn't her that she wasn't like, I want to be a mother and stuff. She knows she has a very strong personal self-identity. And it was, it took me a couple of years of a little persuasion of like wanting to have a kid. And of course I started with a dog. I was like, Ooh, we should get a dog. And even with the dog, it was like, Oh, we shouldn't get a dog. And there was resistance. And now of course she loves our little bub miles he's a hairless peruvian inca orchid uh dog it's an ancient incan dog from south america they're a hairless breed they look awesome check them out there's also the sholowitz squintly which is the aztec mexican hairless dogs they look kind of similar um, we're not actually sure 100 percent. it's not like we have like genetic stuff you know and there was a lot of like mixing over the years i think uh with the two breeds but <clears throat> Yeah, so we don't know. The, the, the guy that we got him from, a local like neighbor of ours, loves the breed. And it's just it's like his family's brought them up from Mexico. So you would think they're Mexican hairless. and But definitely Miles has the genetic signs of more of a Peruvian hairless. Anyways, got the dog first. And then she had, now I've got her on board with the kids. So we're having our girl. She said just one. So we'll see. We'll see if she changes her mind. All right, guys, thanks for watching and see you on the next one. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. By the way, you can find me on Instagram at Nick Zerman and feel free to send me a message or a comment or a question or any recommendations you might have or 
people I should talk to or things I should talk about. Thanks again for listening and see you on the next one.